630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. And here comes Dreisaitl, leading a three-on-one for the win. Dreisaitl over the line, centers McDavid, back to Dreisaitl. One-timer, score! And this game is over! McDavid to Dreisaitl for the winner! Edmonton 4, Washington 3. down the right-hand side, trying to turn the corner. Centers, what a stop made by Rene on Nugent Hopkins, flashing through the middle. A terrific save. Left bomb to McDavid. Shot, what a save. Rene, rebound score. Leon Dreisaitl. Rene, two tremendous saves, but could not prevent the third opportunity. And Martin Jones, we talked about earlier. Here's McDavid, right corner, in front. Rich shot, score. That's four for Leon Dreisaitl. goals in five minutes and 13 seconds the blowout continues in music city three of leon dreisaitl's 43 goals this season of course he scored 50 in the previous campaign and today as we expected he was announced as a finalist for the Hart trophy he's up against a couple of pretty good players nathan mckinnon from the colorado avalanche artemi panarin from the New York Rangers. And I'm pleased to be joined on the line by our Inside the Game analyst on our Oilers broadcast. It's my buddy, Rob Brown. Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Reed. How are you? Doing good. You're sounding good, man. The connection's working uh, working good. You're, you're, uh, you're using your computer tonight. I am. It's brand new for me. It's, I had to have my son help me, as well as a couple of engineers from Chad. But we got it figured out. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun to talk about hockey and a big day for for Edmonton Oilers fans, and obviously for Leon Dreisaitl. Well, look, we, we knew Leon Dreisaitl was was going to be a pretty good player. Uh, I mean, he, he only had nine points in 37 games during that partial season he played. Got 51 points in 72 games. And then in 16-17, the year the Oilers last made the playoffs, he was with McDavid and Maroon most of the year. 77 points in 82 games, and we're thinking, okay, there's something here. 70 points the following year and then over 100 each of the last two years and uh, Rob I mean to me he's even exceeded third overall draft picks you expect quite a bit but I I think he's able been been able to exceed what many of us thought his high end might be well I think if and when he wins the Hart Trophy yeah I don't think there's a lot of expectations when you draft a player if it's not his name's not uh, McDavid or Crosby or, or players of that ilk, you're expecting a, a Hart Trophy as the MVP. And he's been that good. I mean, you, you knew that he had the raw ability. He, he has the size. Uh, he's, he's a big, strong, physical man. He's got the skill set. I think uh, today I, I read Panarin and, and McKinnon, some of their comments on him. They talk about his backhand passing that McKinnon wishes he was capable of doing. Panarin talks about his hockey IQ uh, you, you throw those all in together, and you have what you have in Leon Dreisaitl, who was, in my estimation, and I said this in October, November, and December, the best player in the NHL. So he was the best player in the NHL that had the best season in the NHL this year. 
and the the accolades that are coming towards him with uh, the Pearson Award by the players and and the media voting him at one of the three finalists for the heart, uh, much deserved. He was that good this year. When you're on a team with Connor McDavid, and at the end of the season you say, you know what, Connor was only the second best player on our team this year. That says something about the kind of year that Leon had. Yeah, and he would have had a chance to hit 50 for the second straight season. I mean, the way he he was scoring, and and he was better in the second half of of both seasons. He would have needed seven more goals in the final 11 games, which certainly he was capable of of doing. And the line of Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto was incredible. We don't know if they're going to be together as we go into the playoffs. They've tinkered a little bit there. But it was interesting, Rob, the, the effect that, that a young player with not a lot of experience, Kyler Yamamoto, had on Dreisaitl as well. It, it is. The problem, we had a lot of people throughout the last couple of years talking about the fact that you had to split up both Connor and Leon. And my argument for the longest time was, well, you have no one to play with them if you split them up. That's why they had to be together. Well, bringing Yamamoto up, you, you brought a player that could think the game the same way as Connor and Leon. He doesn't have the skill set that those two have but he knows where to be he knows when to get the puck to them when to get into open ice he reads plays as they're developing so he knows it's one thing when when connor or leon gets the puck and then you say okay he's got the puck i better get here now uh good players great players players that have good hockey iq they see the play developing and they okay the puck's eventually going to come to leon so i'm going to have to be here right away you don't. You have to anticipate where the play is going to go, and that's what Yamamoto is very good at. And I've I've told the story many times. Yarmir Yager, who one of the greatest that has ever played the game, his favorite player to play with was a guy named Kip Miller. It was a career minor league player. Finally got his chance playing with Yarmir. Yags loved playing with him because he could think the game. Didn't have the skill set as a lot of other players on on, on the team, but he could think the game and he could see the game the same way as Yarmir could. And that's what you're seeing with Yamamoto. Uh, I mean, he's not ever going to scare you with his size or his shots or, or his skating ability, but his hockey IQ is going to keep him in the NHL and his hockey IQ is going to put him on a top six or top two line in the NHL. And right now he is benefiting, obviously playing with Leon, but Leon is certainly benefiting playing with a player as smart as Yamo. Yeah, and, and Nugent Hopkins spoke earlier how Yamamoto kind of became the chief puck retrieval guy on that line. I know they all did, but but, but, but it was pretty interesting. Dry Seidel, and I asked Dave Tippett about today, and you've marveled at it really since he came into the league, and he keeps getting better at it, that backhand. It's just another dimension for him to create chances. Well, when... When, when you're defending players in the NHL, you'll have coaches harping at you in practice. Okay, when, for example, in, in Edmonton, okay, when Gretzky gets the puck behind the net, force him out on his backhand. Uh, when Mario used to have, okay, force him down this side so he has to use his backhand. You always try to push a, a player, a skilled player, to their backhand because they're, they're less creative, they're less uh, effective. But Leon, it, it doesn't matter. He may be actually better with a backhand than he is with a forehand. His backhand is as good as any other player in the NHL's forehand pass. That's how good his backhand is. So now you can't force him a, a certain way. And that takes uh, that takes one of the, the main defensive strategies away from uh, the team defending him is they can't force him away. And now he's like, okay, now we're kind of caught in the middle. Do I force him this way? Now he's on his forehand. Do I force him that way? Now he's on his back and he's going to beat me either way. And then you add to the fact that he's big and strong. And that's what 
makes certain players even more effective. They can absorb a hit to make a play. And Leon likes the body contact. You're going to come at him hard. That's going to open up a passing lane or that's going to open up someone else that's going to be uh, available. And now he can put it on his forehand and backhand to make the play. So Leon has got every skill set imaginable. And the one that you and I used to giggle about all the time was people question his skating. You know, he's not quick enough. He, he, he lumbers out there. I, I've yet to see Leon Dreisaitl caught on a breakaway. I have not seen anyone come close. He expands when he starts racing away from players and when he sees an opportunity. So Leon is the real deal. I believe whenever they do the award show or the awards, he will be the MVP of the league and he's deserving of it. Rob Brown joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Yeah, he's he's interesting to watch, and certainly he he can he can his skating is fine. I mean, I actually watched. Uh, remember that overtime against Pittsburgh mm-hmm. uh, when Smith made all those saves, and then he eventually picked up the puck in his own end and stormed down the ice and, and scored. I, I stumbled across that on YouTube yesterday, so I I took five minutes to watch that because it was so fun. But it, but Drysital, he's interesting, and you mentioned him drawing contact and McDavid. McDavid wants the game to go at a thousand miles an hour, right? Because if everybody skates as fast as they can, McDavid knows he's still going to win the battle. But but Drysital, while he can play an up-tempo game, he's also comfortable slowing it down, right? And he, he, to me, more than McDavid, he can say, "I'm just going to hold the puck. I dare you to come get it from me," because most guys can't get it from him. You're right, and I, I was fortunate to play with Yarmir Yager, and he used to, when when I was on his line, he used to say, "Okay, if I've got two guys on me, don't come help me. That means you're open." And that's what it's like with Leon, a big, strong man that he can absorb. Most guys, when they're getting hit, when I played, and a guy was coming, and a defenseman was closing on me and being physical with me, my whole thought process was, "Okay, how to elude this guy?" Because he's he's squishing me off, he's pushing me into an area that he wants to go. So my whole thought process, okay. How do I get away from him? A player like Leon, when a defenseman is closing on him and being physical on him, he's not even worried about the defenseman. His, he's got no thought of that guy leaning on him. He is trying to find the passing lane now because he's big, he's strong, the, the hit doesn't affect him. Leon, I, I think we saw him get knocked down once the whole season this year. So his it's just an added bonus when you're a skilled player that's that big is you can absorb a hit and it's almost like you got this mosquito on you. You're kind of brushing it off and looking around to see what else is going on on the ice. And that's an advantage he has over most players. I mean, there's a great example. The, the Oilers are going to play the Blackhawks in the first first round here. Patrick Kane is as good a player as there is in the National League. He is so talented, so skilled. But when a player closes on him, he doesn't. he's not as effective because he cannot push that player aside to make the play. He's going to have to beat you with shiftiness. He's going to have to beat you with speed. He's going to have to make the play before you get there. Leon has an extra second on all the other great players in the league because he is so big and strong that the player's not going to knock him off the puck, which allows him to make a play while body contact being happening. All right, training camp ongoing. They'll do something a little different tomorrow. They'll scrimmage at 8 p.m., I guess just a little bit to get used to the the late games that they're going to have to play along the way. At least two games against Chicago will start at 8.30. Uh, how would you like that, Rob, getting ready for an 8 p.m. training camp scrimmage when you would have been playing? Pretty weird? <laughs> uh, it would have been very weird, and it, it'd be tiring. It, the, the, the one thing that sucks uh, about late hockey games is just the weight, getting to it. I mean, you want, you're, you're excited, you're amped up, you're ready, especially a playoff game. 
now I'm waiting till 8.30 at night. Well, I understand what, what Tippett is doing and the coaching staff doing. It's smart. Get the body acclimated to preparing at that point. If they keep having practices at 10, 30, 11 in the morning, well, their body's now starting to get that muscle memory. Okay, at 11 a.m., legs got to be going. Brain's got to be thinking. And all of a sudden, every night at 8 o'clock, you're laying in bed watching Netflix. So you want to make sure your body starts uh, preparing itself for what's going to happen. And they're going to have a lot of late games. I, I know I don't know if it's going to happen like it did a couple of years ago when the Oilers in the playoffs seemed like every game was 8.30 for the Oilers. Yep. But if that's the case, let's be ready for it and let's have your body ready for it because it's completely different. I can tell you that the game they play on Saturday, I think it was at 1 or 1.30 is their first game, yep. as opposed to the game they play at 8.30. Uh, your body is completely different in both those times, that time change. So you've got to be ready. Good on Dave Tipp and the coaching staff to recognize that. Yeah, 8 p.m. tomorrow. And then I mentioned there's the scrimmage Saturday at 1. They're all going to wear Colby Cave jerseys for that. And then they'll be auctioned off at a later date to uh, to raise money for the Colby Cave Memorial Foundation mm-hmm. exhibition game on Tuesday against the Flames. I do not expect it to be like... <laughs> Like they came in early February, but I mean, Dave, Tim, like you, McDavid and Drysital and and Goudreau and Monahan and Giordano, for that matter, they're going to want to play, right? I mean, they're going to want to play an exhibition game before jumping into the postseason. Well, they have to. That's why they're having the exhibition game. If you're going to sit out your stars, then you wouldn't play games at all. You just get right into the playoffs. But it's one thing, and it's one thing to practice and scrimmage and prepare, but it's another thing to play against someone on the other team where. You know, it's going to get a little nasty. It's going to get a little rough. I mean, Oscar Clefbaum isn't going to throw an elbow into Connor's face in the middle of the, the scrimmage. Giordano might. So you got to be ready to have a little bit of anger, a little bit of uh, uh, of nasty to play against another team. Having said that, neither Calgary or Edmonton wants to come out of that with it, with an injury. They know it's just an exhibition game. But it's one. It, it'll be a completely different exhibition game than the ones we normally see, where players are just going... 70%, just getting the feel of the game, just trying to find the timing with their line mates. They know that after this one exhibition game, it's it's for real and for real big time because now you're starting to play where losses hurt. So uh, I would imagine both teams will have their full lineup and you're probably going to see whichever team's goaltender starts, that's going to be the starter in game one of the Chicago series. Right on. Rob, it's going to be fun. We're almost there. A week from tonight, we'll be doing a face-off show and doing overtime open line. I'm looking forward to it, buddy. I am too. Hard to believe, but let's get it going. Right on. That is Rob Brown checking in tonight, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. So Dreisaitl up for the heart against Panarin and McKinnon. The winner is going to be announced during the conference finals. They haven't set an exact date or said exactly how they're going to do it, but it'll happen during the conference finals. It is 719. Got a few texts about the Eskimos name change I want to get to at 780-496-0063. We're back after the break. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, 780-496-0063 to call or text. This individual writes in, I have been an Eskimo season ticket holder for 42 years since Commonwealth Open. We have had at least two seats and mostly four for many years. I spent 18 years in BC and still paid for two of the four seats until I returned back home. We have canceled our season's tickets because it is not the Eskimos any longer. The board of directors failed to take into consideration who is supporting the team. And 
Uh, sorry, guys. The board of directors failed to take into consideration who is supporting the team, and that is the long-term season ticket holders. Dozens of people I directly know will no longer be spending money on the Eskimos, so as long as their sponsors are going to keep them afloat, good luck to the new team. I will save my $2,000 I spend each year on something I want to support. I wonder when the tree huggers and environmentalists will complain enough to force the Oilers to change their name. Maybe another George Floyd incident should do it. I'm sure you won't read this on air, but if you do, my name is Briz SG. Well, I read it on air. Uh, I don't think the Oilers and uh, Eskimos were in the same kind of group when it comes to potentially changing a name. Look, people uh, people are going to give up their seats. I, I don't know if everybody is going to do it. Or I, let me say, I, don't, I don't know if as many people are going to do it as are threatening to do it, but some people will do it, and, and, uh, and they were worried about it. Another texter says, Hey, Reed, I truly hope this decision bankrupts the team. This catering to a small group who whine and complain and are offended by everything has to stop. When the team was originally named... Uh, was it a bunch of white aristocrats sitting in a boardroom puffing on their expensive cigars saying, how can we make fun of those people that live in the North? Our society is doomed. This generation of snowflakes will not survive. Thin skin. Nobody can have an opinion. It honestly makes me sick. Uh, Instead of a few Inuit celebrating the fact that a pro sports team wanted to associate their spirits, toughness, and heritage in naming the team, they choose to be offended by it. It disgusts me, and therefore the spineless executives of this team can go down with the sinking ship. Sorry, I'm done. That is from an unnamed texture, uh, 780-496-0063. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, if you're, all, I, I, all opinions are welcome. This texter says, uh, hey, Reed, did the CFL not have a saying a few years ago that it had bigger balls? Well, the Eskimos dropped theirs. Once again, Eastern people are telling the proud West what to do. I am proud of the announcement of the Chicago Blackhawks and how they stand by their name and are proud of it. We are typical Canadians and don't want to offend a small vocal minority. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask. And, and look, I, I totally understand why you might be upset about it. I uh, I can't. This is tough for me as well. I'm not going to walk away from the team. And and I'm not going to... I mean, you can choose how to spend your money however you want. Uh, This texture says, I find it ironic people calling others sensitive snowflakes in the middle of having an outrage temper tantrum about the name of a sports team. I mean, yeah, if you're walking away from a team you've supported for a long time just because they're changing the team nickname, I think maybe you're a bit of a snowflake. Blake Dermott, when we get back. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. I just want to remind you that snowflakes are beautiful and unique, which is how I see each and every one of you. I'm going to bring in Blake Dermott in in a couple of minutes here. Blake, I know you're standing by. I just want to uh, read some more listener reaction. I read some uh, text before the break very uh, strongly against the uh, Eskimos discontinuing the use of the name and uh, people saying that they're not uh, going to support the team anymore. Actually, one person actually came out and said that he or she wants the team to outright fail. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. I, I do have some texts on the other side of the fence too, so I want to read those. 
Stacy says, uh, it's a good listener comment on the snowflakes. Your feelings are simply being heard from a name change. I agree. I think we have identified others that are hypersensitive and easily offended. If a name change, though, makes you stop watching and supporting your team, you weren't much of a fan. That is from Stacy. Jen says, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Seriously, giving up your support because of a name change? What kind of a fan are you? Pathetic. That is from Jen. Robert says, I want to chime in on the Edmonton Football Club, ultimately deciding to retire the name Eskimos. I think it was going to happen at some point in time anyway, so I'm all for it, though I will miss the old old name. It won't change my status as a fan. I'm a football fan. I will continue to support the team and watch and attend the games. Uh, Troy says, read the word then will become important in referencing past team names, such as played for the then Montreal Maroons or the then Hartford Whalers or the soon-to-be then Washington Redskins. You can't change the sports record books as to affiliation at the time of accomplishment. To me, I have been a lifelong Eskimos fan and will cheer for the team no matter what name they play for, just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for that, that you st- that if a team was called something when they won something or achieved something, I, I mean, unless you just have a horrific name, I guess, that, I mean, I think we can all think of words that we just don't use at all anymore, but I, I, I'd be, I'm comfortable saying Eskimos when talking about the past. I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to quickly tell you where I'm at before I bring Blake in, and Blake's heard me say this to him personally, and I know he'll react to it. I have to admit to you guys, this is, this is a sad day for me. I have felt sad, and, and I've felt sad talking about this topic for the last couple of weeks because I have an emotional connection with the team. I, I've made no secret of the fact that I've, I've had seasons tickets uh, since 1997. From 2000 to 2007, I lived in Lloyd Minster. It was often a, a time I got to see my parents because I, I, you know, if I would come to Edmonton to watch a game, so there was a, a family element to me. Plus, I, I really like football and I really like going to sporting events. So I'm sad. I, I mean, it's and, and a lot of emotions that that I feel sports fans feel aren't necessarily uh, logical. But you you bundle everything you feel. And, you know, I like the uniform. I like the logo. I like going to the stadium. And you get to you get an attachment to the name, even though, obviously, as I've gone through my adulthood, and I can remember even this coming up sometimes in the late 90s. And then it kind of would get louder and louder. I did an interview before I was the full-time host of this show. It was, so that would have been 2012 or 2011. With with Lewis Cardinal, who's uh, you know an activist and, and politician in the province, and, and he had a problem with the name. So that was eight or nine years ago. So it has been out there that this probably was going to happen. But now that it's happened, yes, I, I feel sadness. And like a lot of you, I do feel anger at a, a very loud group of people who were taking shots at the Eskimos organization and at the fans and calling name calling and saying how bad it was. And some of those people, maybe even a lot of them don't give a crap about the Canadian football league or the Eskimos or have never, or have never spent money on it. And they're probably not going to uh, even now with the name change, they will just move on to their next cause online. And that, and that does bother me. I mean, it's like if I went to a restaurant once and a year and you went to a restaurant 30 times a year and they changed a menu item because of me, but you really liked it. I totally get that angle, but I also understand we're not talking about food. We're not talking about restaurants items. We're taking, we're talking about a team that was named after a group of people. And it did make some people uncomfortable. Even if you're mad about it, I hope you recognize that. 
And as I've always said, I reached the point in my mind where I thought the name was outdated and problematic, and it wasn't going to go away. And for that reason, also today, I feel a little bit of relief that as we move on, there'll be a new name, they'll start playing games, and we'll get to analyze blitzes and draw plays and coaching decisions, and this name debate won't have to come up every every how often. And I do honestly feel a little bit of excitement about the process of picking a new name and getting suggestions from from you guys and gals out there and, and seeing suggestions. It is kind of fun that fans might have at least a small hand in determining what the new name is. That's how I feel about it. Um, and it, when I say I'm angry about that part of it, I am, I, but I'm not going to come on the radio and scream about it. And, and I, you know, I'll, you can be angry at me on the text line or on the phone line, but trust me, I'm I'm angry about that part of it, but I'm, I'm just not going to come on and scream about it because I think that would get distracting for you after a while and wouldn't ultimately be very good radio. That's how I feel. Blake Dermott is on the line. Blake, I've unloaded my feelings. Would you, would you like to chime in? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Reed, I, uh, I've, I've talked to a, a number of people about this over the last week or so, I guess, maybe a little bit longer than that. And a lot of the things that you said, I'm in agreement with. Um, I, I know you and I have talked about this. Um, the, the issue for me has always been um, not that the, the name needed to change, um, and eventually it probably was going to happen. It was the way that it, that it happened that, that has really bothered me. And for those fans out there that are angry at the team, um, for you know changing their name um they were essentially i mean you have to understand that uh, uh, fans uh, that they have to understand that the the eskimo organization organization in the cfl uh, all cfl teams um are, are operating on very limited budgets and and uh, very limited limited uh, sponsorship packages with respect to how much money that's out there in canada for each team and when corporate sponsors come to them and threaten them with a gun to their head that if they don't change their name that that uh, then they're going to drop their sponsorship the, a lot of times organizations teams uh, board of directors are are left with very little option and and that's what i think happened with the eskimos this year and you and i talked about this you know companies that uh, and, and i'm I, I was i'm under the understanding i'm not even sure the names of them one of them is a off uh, an online betting company. Of course, one of them is Bel Air Direct. They, they were the first ones to jump on board. And then the other one I heard uh, I heard the other day was, was Boston Pizza. And uh, if, in fact, that was the case, I will never support those organizations in my life. But I'm certainly going to support the Eskimos um, because the Eskimos were, were only doing what they had to do based on the, um, the – well, first of all, based on what's going on in society. And all of those things that you said about an outdated name and, and potentially, and I, I love the thing that you said that where if if uh, if you were picking a team today, that would not be an option. Uh, the Eskimos would not be an option. But for somebody like me, uh, and all of those things being said, you know, people in Bay Street making marketing decisions based on how it's going to make their product line look really good if they if they take a, a, a you know a, a leadership role in demanding that a team eliminate a name when when in the quality there's eighty thousand people and uh, uh, less than twenty percent of the people had an offense to that, which equates to about sixteen thousand people in all of Canada, um, really had a, a problem with the issue with that name. Now, I mean. Of course, I'm probably a little bit liberal with my numbers, but the reality is that this, to the people that it mattered the most, less than 20% of them really thought it was an issue. 
And and that to me, like this, this was not a wide sweeping problem. This name, this was. Um, uh, I, I heard a, a, a lawyer uh, on another radio station um, talking about how even in Alaska, Native Alaskans call themselves Eskimos, and they're proud of that. So, I mean, I know that's not Canada, but it's pretty darn close. And um, so, so this is this is one of those issues and names that we can argue about forever. But the reality is that there was enough people and enough pressure that it had to go. Okay, I'm okay with that. I, I can, I can. If it's a problem for somebody, we have to discuss it. If it's a problem for many, then we have to eliminate it. And, and obviously, the Eskimo uh, uh, board of directors made that decision, but not without a gun pointed at their head. And so, as I said, so my way of, of protesting this thing is not to not to penalize the Eskimos who are doing, who did their due diligence, who spent hundreds of thousands of dollars going up and speaking with the people and setting up programs with the people of the north, and and finding their input and and, and discovering what those numbers were that that had a problem with the, with the name and what can we do to make this better and the and the, and the response was always well if you if you just come up here and engage with our people and, and do the things that they, with our children and set up programs that'll that'll really be helpful to this whole program but you get these people that are that are not from the north that that are, are from someplace else in canada that want to hitch themselves to uh the the flavor of the month and the flavor of the month is to get rid of the name of the Eskimos on, uh, from, their, from their team name. And that's what's frustrating, and that's where I really, really have a problem with this whole thing. Yeah, and, and I'm with you certainly on the part about it, the, the timing just feeling bad. And, and look, it, this, it, whenever they would have done this, it, it would have been debated, it would have made people angry, it would have divided people. But it's it's just such a crazy time with the pandemic. The league doesn't have a season. Um, you know, George Floyd and the, that leading to all the, the protests, uh, not just in the States, but around the world and, and some of the violence. I mean, there's just so much happening. And then this gets thrown into the mix, which is really the least of our worries, given all the other stuff I, 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 I just I, I just mentioned. So I, I think you make a, you make a good point. And I think with Bel Air Direct, I talked about them a couple of weeks ago. I, I didn't like the timing. I didn't like them being public with that at that time when like, let's please it, Blake. The, the, I, I still think the CFL will exist. But I can't say that with 100% certainty, right? So that's that's another thing where it's just like, why heap this on a team that has a really uncertain future right now? Yeah, it, it was the uh, – well, that's what I'm saying about how this reeked of uh, making us look good at the expense of somebody else. And uh, and and this – and as you said, make no mistake, the name would have changed eventually. And it would have changed for all the right reasons, because the people in that organization are, have had done their due diligence to be able to go out there and to find it. And when, if it ever got to a point where, uh, that uh, you know, it, it organically became an issue that was too great, the, those people would have made the right decision. And uh, and and I and I said this, you know, if the, the organizations, the, the the corporations that were were putting the gun to the Eskimos' head, had spent as much time. Uh, uh, per capita, or well, not per capita, but in, in relationship to their overall uh, inflow of, of cash that the Eskimos did, have, have, and had they gone up and done the, the work and the legwork and the the uh, the investment in time uh, with with the people of the North, um, with the, the Indigenous people, um, 
they might not, they might have reached the same decision that the Eskimos have reached and said, you know, maybe this isn't uh, the, the time for this. But I, I would hazard a guess that there wasn't dime one spent by those people, and this just became a marketing, uh, an opportunity for them to market their product. And I hope it blows up in their faces. I really do. Blake Dermick joining us tonight on on Inside Sports. So they're, they're going to pick a new name. We'll see where it goes. Uh, certainly, Blake, I hope they keep the colors and the logo. I mean, there can be a tweak or an update, I suppose. And sometimes that stuff is 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 kind of cool. And, and I've said, the, to me, the Eskimos won the Grey Cup in 2015, not the whatever they're going to be called or the Edmonton football team. I'm comfortable referring to it. And to me, Blake, you're an Eskimo alumni. And maybe the guys 20 years from now will will have a different sort of alumni affiliation, but we'll know it's the same franchise. I mean, I, to me, that's pretty simple. Like, is that how you're feeling about it? Or do you feel awkward about how you may or may not be referred to? Like, what do you think? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, my daughter asked me that the other day. What's going to happen with, you know, the alumni thing? I said, well, as far as, I, you know, I will always be an Eskimo alumni. Um, and I will, you know, um, I, one thing I was saying to somebody the other day, I hope when we finally get a chance to go watch the games, that that stadium is filled up with 35,000 people wearing Edmonton Eskimo gear. And uh, uh, that would that would make me uh, feel, uh, nothing would make me feel better than to see that. Um, because, because uh, you know, uh, uh, they, they, can, they can mandate to not use that name in their marketing and everything else. But the reality is it's going to take a while for people you know, uh, it's not like when the Montreal Alouettes lost the Alouettes and they became the Concords, or when uh, uh, the uh, Ottawa uh, the Ottawa Roughriders became the the Renegades and then became the Red Blacks. I mean, yeah, those were completely separate franchises. Yeah, completely separate. Like this is still the same franchise, and this is still and, and it's going to look the same. I, I truly believe that it's going to look the same, but. Uh, you know, it's going to have uh, it's going to have a different uh, a different nickname, and and uh, for for fans to be so upset, I understand that fans can be upset about that. I mean, I'm a fan of the game, I'm upset, but I, I think the the to direct the anger at the Eskimo organization at this time is the wrong place to direct the uh, the anger. The anger should be directed elsewhere. Yeah, well, and I think too, Blake, and and I get that people are mad, and like I said, I'm not I'm not going to stop people from being mad, and a show like this is an outlet for that. And I, you know, I read a lot of angry texts, but I also think this this decision isn't so much made for 2020 and 2021; it's made for 2025 and 2030. And I think they're saying we can't keep having this debate and being known as the team that won't change its name, whether it's a justifiable criticism or like, you know, like maybe that's not the best reason to do something, but I think they want to be known for something other than that. Like even the week of the 2015 gray cup, they're going in there on a nine game winning streak. Mike Riley's incredible. The defense might've been the best Eskimos defense of all time. And there's stories about the name. It should have been all about the product on the field. Yeah, well, uh, you know, the other thing is that um, the English language is, is always evolving. And what was uh, a proper English in the 1300s isn't even spoken anymore. And what was what was uh, slang and proper uh, in common language back in the 50s, a lot of times it's changed. And, uh, I mean, obviously when the, the Edmonton Eskimo name was, I think, what first brought out was probably in the 20s or something like that. And... Uh, and and now it's not in vogue. Now it's not a word that is uh, um, is a popular word uh, in common culture. But who's to say the next one that they pick isn't going to be any different twenty years from now? 
Um, you know, I mean, the, the language evolves all the time. Is this something that, that we're going to have to worry about going forward? And, and maybe it is. So we better pick, we better pick something very, very carefully um, so that uh, somewhere down the world that the, the people, the, the politically, the PC people of the, of the world aren't going to come after this, this name or any other name in, in sports or anything like that. So, so uh, uh, it, it just, for me, it, it becomes, it, it's a place, that our world has become a place where little tiny voices get all the airtime. And, uh, and I, 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 I struggle with that. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm again, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna question whether or not the Eskimo name should have gone. Eventually it probably would have, but, but it, it is a, a very difficult time, um, to be, uh, to be rational. <laughs> <laughs> well, Blake, uh, you're not a tiny little voice, and you're welcome on the show anytime. Thanks. Honestly, I, I just I need to talk to people about this too. So thanks for being that person for me tonight. <laughs> well, Reed, thanks for having me on, and uh, I'm 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 hoping your uh, your board just lights up with people that are angry about what I said. All right, that is Blake Dermott checking in tonight on Inside Sports seven eight zero four nine six zero zero. Six three. Rhonda says, I get why people are angry about the name change, but a name doesn't make the person or the team. I will not support those companies that made us change the name. I will support a group of people who play hard, don't get butt hurt, and continue to make a difference. Eliminating the name was bullying, intimidation, and badgering. That is from... Rhonda. Uh, another texture says the laughable part of all of this is that you can never please the social justice warriors. Next, they will be going after the fans for wearing their old Eskimos merchandise. They will want all the Eskimos fans to apologize for past racism, burn their Eskimo merchandise and renounce any association with the Eskimos of the past. It's just sad that the bullies win again. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm not going to be burning any merchandise <laughs> for sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that texture's being a little little cheeky probably. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the the, the name is changing. I, I mean, it's tough, but I, I think we're all going to adapt. And uh, I think a couple of years from now, we'll just be pushing for whatever the team is called. Back after the break. All right, busy show tonight. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your feedback on the discontinuation of the word Eskimos when it comes to our Edmonton CFL team. Uh, I, I read all your texts to myself. I read as many as I could on air. I'm sure this will uh, be further discussed over the next couple of days. Leon Dreisaitl, finalist for the Hart Trophy. Get the latest on 630chet.com, globalnews.ca. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name's Reed. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.